Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Talking Games with Kelly and Andrew. I'm Andrew. And I'm Kelly. Uh, to open this episode, I figured I'd get the vibe exactly right. So I, so I sang our theme song. Oh. But only you will know that, Kelly. I'm not going to put it in. <laughs> so, sorry, everybody. You should... Huh? You should put it in and then like overlay the theme song on top of it. <laughs> like really quietly. So it's like, yeah, so listeners are like, is, is somebody singing? <laughs> I'm going to put it in very quietly, audience. So if you missed it, which you probably did because I put it in real quiet, just go back, see if you can hear it. We're putting in like a freaking, what's it called? What's the thing where you can't find the thing, you know? An Easter egg? Um... Yeah, but like it's called like when like when you point at things when you're like driving on the road and you're trying to be like oh what's <sighs> um a landmark <laughs> I uh, I don't know uh, I spy oh I don't think that's what I was thinking but that's what come to my I spy with but audio there used to be um way back when I was in elementary school Catholic elementary school for those. Who are curious of my origins and why I am the way that I am. Um, they have these big giant I spy books in the library. And I remember the one was really scary because it was like <gasps> the Halloween house one. I spy. Yeah. And there was like, I remember you had to like find a little skeleton and I was very scared, <laughs> but I found him. I really wish I could see an image of like itty bitty Kelly just looking at a book shaking but very determined well, to find the skeleton. <laughs> well, I still had bangs, so just imagine me, but like this big. Smaller, yeah. Like same yeah. exact person and every feature's identical. Yeah. But like three inches tall. <laughs> oh, and my eyebrows were just awful, but I was also a child, so. I think most children have bad eyebrows. Sorry, children of the audience. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we have any children in the audience. I hope not. If you do, after last week's discussion, don't reach out um, because you shouldn't be on social media. You're a child. Exactly. Also, I mean, no offense, but don't listen to the shows. I mean, it's not explicit, but like, we did have some interesting talks last week. <laughs> I feel like last week was the explicit episode, but it wasn't swear words, so I didn't have to mark it as explicit, which is nice, because then less people right. would see it. Right. Um. Kelly, have you heard of Ubisoft? No. Uh, they... I've heard of Ubisoft. Is that the correct way? I don't know. I don't. I like Ubisoft better. Ubisoft sounds better. Ubisoft sounds like. Just say it. I... We were both gonna just here. Three, like... two, one. Ubisoft. Yeah. Okay, so I guess this episode is exactly as bad as last one. <laughs> that wasn't <laughs> planned. <laughs> Um, Ubisoft is currently seeking to be acquired as a uh, inner turmoil reigns in the company. There's a lot of turnover, a lot of uh, higher management is having a difficult time and not happy with how things are being run, which is ironic because they're running it. Uh, but because of all this, they're seeking to be acquired. Um, the current two front runners are private companies, uh, which is kind of weird because I feel like most of the time that we hear about acquisitions, it's like one bigger gamer giant, gaming giant eating another. But this is like people outside the video game space buying it. So is this even going to change anything? I don't know. I think it would make things worse, but 
it's hard to get worse from where Ubisoft is right now, I think. Like, yeah, if I mean, if Yevgimo gets kicked out, maybe that's good because, you know, as much bad stuff is happening, in, as much bad stuff as happens in Ubisoft, I don't think the CEO should stay in charge. Like, it's kind of on him at that point. Right. He's been in charge for decades now. Maybe just one sometimes, decade. Sometimes nothing changes. Especially if it's a private equity firm. Yeah. Sometimes it just stays exactly the same and they leave everybody exactly where they are. I don't get capitalism because it's like, buy us. And it's like, oh, what's that going to do? And it's like, well, now you own us. And it's like, well, what does that change? Nothing. Nothing. Because like, I get when PlayStation buys a company because it's like, oh, now those games are only on PlayStation. I get when Microsoft does it because same reason. But like, this is just like, Ubisoft's probably going to make the exact same products as they did. They're going to hold the same licenses that they did. I guess we'll find out. This will probably happen pretty quickly if they're in this much turmoil. And I would assume that they're going to get sold for a little less than they're probably worth, which I don't care because it's getting sold to private equity and not... If it was getting sold to Microsoft or PlayStation, I think that would be a real, real shakeup. Yeah, that would be pretty crazy. Mario and Rabbids, PlayStation 5 exclusive. or like assassin's creed xbox exclusive that's oh wait that could happen just kidding didn't um the new one valhalla just come out on xbox first no or am i crazy you're crazy okay that's fair i'm sorry (laughs) no it's all right i honestly thought that no i think everyone has been multi-platform except like the PS Vita one. I'm just a silly Billy. It's okay. As we know. It's okay. PlayStation and Xbox will forgive you. I might not, though. Oh, wow. Well, can I buy your forgiveness with a with the new PlayStation Plus offering? Yes. Coming out June of this year. <gasps> um, supposedly, uh, the new PlayStation Plus uh, platform slash apparatus is supposed to come out on June 13th. <laughs> I like 2022. Apparatus? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it is applicable, but some it's just like the first word that I thought of. I liked it. It Thank didn't make you. things more confusing, so I can't see a problem here. <laughs> it didn't help me at all. It didn't clear anything up, but it did not make anything more confusing. So that's the most important part. You know what really confused me about this this story? What? So they announced like all of the the release dates, and June thirteenth is us, us Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the Americas. If you're in Canada, you're also June thirteenth. Don't worry. It's weird to me that the first market is Asian markets, excluding Japan. You know? Yeah. Because Sony that is was, biggest in Japan and America. That was very unusual. I felt as well. Like. Koreans are getting almost a full month on us. That's not That is it's not fair. Interesting. It's not fair. Maybe I don't know. Wait. I don't know the reasoning. Wait. Wait, 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 Kelly. Yes. It's April 25th, day of recording. Yes. May 23rd is less than a month away. Yes. We should know what's on the service. Right? Yes. We don't. This sounds like a transition into saying what we like that it's been. A, we don't know. This is legitimately just like a dead end. Wow. Yeah. I just had that 
epiphany. That's bad. Maybe we'll find out very soon. I would hope. I mean, it has to be before May 23rd. Unless. I guess it could be a different lineup. Anyway. Moving on from PlayStation. We got some other reports. These are much less definitive. That there are reboots in the works. Of Jet Set Radio. And Crazy Taxi from Sega. According to these reports. They will take heavy inspiration. From Fortnite. And other live service games. You know when I think about. Think about Jet Set Radio. And Crazy Taxi for the Dreamcast home console. You know first thing I think. Microtransactions. And funny. Well actually dances maybe. Yes, but but not ones that you had to pay for. Yeah, that is very, very strange. Yeah, but maybe not surprising. It's not surprising because of of course it's taking inspiration from Fortnite. The thing for me is like this could go one of two ways. One, it comes out as an incomplete game. And I think that's how a lot of people, a lot of companies view Fortnite. They view it as like this piecemeal product. That's not how it is, though. Fortnite, say what you will, it is a full game. When you download Fortnite and you're playing that Battle Royale, you're getting a full game experience. The only thing you pay for is what your character looks like and like dances and stuff. Yes. And they make a lot of money that way, that's for sure. But... The game itself is finished, you know? It's a full game. So other companies think that they're taking the same approach, but they release a game unfinished and then sell content the same way that Fortnite sells skins and, like, visual stuff. So I think a very reasonable possibility is that they're going to release an un- like a partial product for free and then you have to buy all the rest of the content, which would be very frustrating because it's like, please just sell me the game at that point. But there's also the other possibility, which is that this will be a complete game and it will just rely upon, you know, visual things you can buy to make its money. And that's kind of exciting because, you know, not paying for games is cool as long as it's a full game. And I think while I wouldn't have imagined these two games to be live services ever, it might not be the worst. Yeah, they're both, I mean, they're both really hard to play right now. Yeah. I You gotta, there's no way to, like, emulate them legally. So, it would be nice. But, yeah, I guess a revival or a reboot is not necessarily remaking the game. Yeah, I guess so. the use of the word reboot is a little spooky, because it's like, what if it's just not even... The same. It's a completely different game with the same like visual style. Yeah. That doesn't sound appealing. I will say, I think something that's... I've never played Crazy Taxi, but I think something that sets Jet Set Radio apart is its visual style. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if that is... like a, just, They'll do whatever they want and then just try and bank it all on the unique visual style of the game. Yeah. But I truly don't know. Truly don't know what this means for the future. I guess we'll find out sooner rather than later. Hopefully. 
Hopefully. I shouldn't say that. Now that I've said that, we're not going to find out till like 2024 at least. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, everybody. But you know what you will be able to play is Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic CD, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and Sonic 3 and Knuckles, <gasps> all a part of the Sonic Origins collection, which is a new collection of Sonic games. Um, with all new content, well, not all new content, but with new content and new animations and kind of a nice, like, st still maintaining that, the feel of the game, but a nice little, like, it's crisper, it's nicer to look at, um, coming to all major platforms on June 23rd. So. Do you see the discourse this is about this fun. one? No, I, hold on, let me see. So, I'm sure I can find the discourse very quickly. Yeah. So this game is, you know, it's a collection of four very old games with a little bit of new content. But uh, like all major releases, of course, even though it's a collection of games, they had to release a uh, chart to explain <laughs> what you get in every edition. Uh, and there's a lot of discourse going around because it is a collection of old games. So... Why do they have to have a chart to explain how to pre-order this game? Uh, basically, what it boils down to is there is the standard edition that could see the game. And then for pre-ordering, you get what's called the Start Dash Pack, which comes with some extra content as well. And then there's also a Premium Edition, which comes with even more content. And then there's also a classic music pack that you can get separately that comes with classic music instead of just the remixes. And then there's also a premium fun pack that comes with other stuff such as backgrounds. It's all a mess. And the game's oh. also $40. Oh. $40 is a lot of dollars for a collection of three games that you can quickly access on like steam and stuff and yes these are going to be better versions but still it was just yeah. sad because it came along with like the reveal was this gorgeous animation and like i it made me very excited and it's ironic i don't really care to play those old games i've played them enough but the animation was so pretty that i it made me interested and then i found out about this this pre-order chart <laughs> Yeah, that's very weird. I don't understand why. I guess I understand. Game companies really want to incentivize pre-ordering because people don't buy physical copies as much anymore. So there's not often as many incentives to pre-ordering things, in my opinion, because it's like, well, I'm not. I don't have to worry about the game running out. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know? Um. So they try and like zhuzh it up with all this stuff and it's like what you're ending up doing is like gatekeeping content from people who don't want to pay as much or don't want to pre-order or don't want to pay for a premium version of the game or whatever. I mean, just saying that alone is like makes my skin crawl, like paying for a premium version of a game. A premium version and of a game just, from the 80s. Right. It's not like a brand new game and it's not like new stuff. It's like. I don't know. It's just is letterbox very backgrounds. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's also what would I confusing. Do without my like the way that this game's rolling out is like confusing now because it's not just like 
a, a regular version and a deluxe version. There's four different packs, you know? Yeah. And that's just unnecessary confusion for the consumer who, even if they were going to do a deluxe edition, just do regular and deluxe. Don't add all of this contrived, confusing stuff. Right. To a pack of decades old games. Oh, yeah, Sega. Oh, Sega. Also, why didn't they just make Mania 2? That's a great question. They should have done that. That would have been really smart, and people would have been willing to pay for DLC packs because it had been a new game. Right. But maybe later this year, when we get another new game, we'll have a better time. God of War. What new... oh, oh, sorry. Okay, here. Sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> set me up. Set me up. Set me up. Cut that out. Cut what that out. Game... Okay, go ahead. What new game is that? Uh, Thanks for asking, Kelly. It's a game called God of War Ragnarok. Oh. Recently on Twitter, a fan reached out to one of the developers with a tweet, as implied by the platform, and said, hey, yo, is this game coming out this year? Like, you haven't talked about it. And the developer's like, yes, it is 100% coming out this year. That's all the story. It's just weird. I was starting to get to the point where I was concerned about the release date of this game. But if a developer feels confident enough to go on record, whether that is Twitter or not, uh, to confirm that it is coming this year, I think I think this game's still probably locked for 2022. Yeah, I think there's a certain confidence in being and just like replying to someone's tweet randomly and being like, it's coming this year. Yeah. Um, now, you could say on the flip side of that, it's like, it's in a reply to someone else's tweet, so it's not necessarily the strongest piece of ev evidence. But I think either way, people are sort of expecting this game sooner rather than later. So, so I think it's reasonable for it to come out this year. I, I know it's already April, but it's like, you know, there are certain games that we don't see until the summer and they come out that fall, you know? You, so. you took a psychology class in, in college, right? I did, yeah. Okay, so explain to me. Why does a, a a tweet about a release date of a game give me more confidence than an official press release? <laughs> like, if they made an official press release reiterating the 2022 release date, I'd believe it less than mm -hmm. one developer tweeting it. Explain that to me, psychology well, professor. Oh, sure, yes, Dr. Kelly. Um, <laughs> I, I Well, like I said, I think there's a certain kind of confidence that comes from just, like, tweeting it randomly, like, it's not an announcement. It's not being like, don't worry, you guys. It's just some, it's just a the developer, just a random developer. And he's like, yeah, it's coming this year. It's like, there's a certain casualness to it that maybe begets a certain confidence. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily true or if we're just like, this is what we want to hear. <laughs> but in my opinion, that's kind of, that's, why I feel like, okay, it's coming this year, you know? Talking psychology with Kelly and Andrew. <laughs> I am very underqualified <laughs> for that particular subject. Um, almost as unqualified as I am to talk about this particular subject. Well, I'm not qualified either. I didn't give it to you because I thought you were more qualified. We're just both schmucks. <laughs> Um, this year, there will be a new Tales from the Borderland game, Borderlands game, um, 
according to Gearbox and 2K, this was announced in a tweet with some art. Um, it's going to have new characters, a new storyline. Um, that's kind of all we really know. Um, the original Tales from the Borderline, Borderlands. I can't get that's the a- name right. <laughs> the original Tales from the Borderlands games were, it, it was a Telltale series. Um, it was kind of a, uh, it was kind of a random, like, spinoff of the original Borderlands. Um, so there was some, like, crossover with characters and stuff, but. That's weird. Anyway. Uh, that's kind of all that they had. There's not a release date or anything. Um they said that we'll hear more in the summer, which, you know, it's almost May. So it's, uh, it's coming up. It's weird but, to me um, that, one, it was announced in a tweet, and two, it's not Telltale. Like, yeah, it's 2K. Why? That's just strange to me. I feel like Tales from a Borderlands is, like, in its DNA, a Telltale product. It feels kind of weird to be like, we're making another one without Telltale. Yeah. I guess my only caveat to that would be Maybe Telltale games are not necessarily hard to make. No, probably not. But I do think it, I think you're right. It is weird that they were like, we're doing it, not Telltale. But a part of me thinks that maybe that's because this game was probably in development before Telltale really. Oh, before they kind of, yeah, before they rocketed back into the, back into the public eye. Yeah. And the perception of Telltale was really bad. Yeah. Until maybe a few months ago. I guess I hadn't so, thought about it that way. So maybe that's why, but I don't really know. I'm just saying that. Hey, you know what they say. When life gives you lemons, talk to them. splat on them. Oh, okay. All right. Splatoon 3 <laughs> got a release date announced in a new uh, trailer, question mark? Less of a trailer, more of a gameplay preview. It is coming September 9th to Nintendo Switch. Um, Like I said, they released a YouTube video. It wasn't a trailer so much as just a three-minute online match that kind of showed off some new power-ups and just the visual style of the game. It doesn't look drastically different than Splatoon 2 by any stretch, but there's a lot of little improvements that I think will make this game exciting for Splatoon fans and others. I was hoping that the next time we saw this game would be more of the campaign because I'm very interested in those those mammals, the mammalians that they're, I think they're called. But nonetheless, I think this game looks really nice. Uh, I'm excited that it has a release date. This might explain why Xenoblade got pushed up out of September. Maybe? I don't know. They're not the same fan bases, but still. Yeah. I think maybe Nintendo is expecting Splatoon 3 to be really big. And for good reason. It's a big game. Yeah. But I don't know. I agree. I think it looks nice. I don't play Splatoon. I've never really been super interested in playing Splatoon, but it looks nice. It looks fun. It's one of those games where it's like, I used to, back in the day, play a lot of Overwatch. Yeah. And... uh. To me, the UI was pretty simple, um, and that's what made it easier for me. Sometimes, with especially with online games, I have a really hard time with UIs that have a lot going on. 
Um, but now, I don't know, looking at this, it seems like the UI kind of has a lot going on, but I think it's simple enough that it works, especially since you're playing on a Switch, you're not playing on a giant screen or anything. I mean, I guess you could be, but because <laughs> the Switch is, you know, I don't, I don't have a giant TV, so I always think that Switch TVs, I mean, any game has, anyway. Reboot that this sentence. Is, Reboot that sentence getting... like it's crazy taxi. <laughs> this is getting a little bit contrived. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, um, if you know it, and if you're familiar with the game, it's probably fine. Just talk about See, I say all this, and then, I, you know, Dead by Daylight has a pretty complicated UI. <laughs> it's not complicated, but there's a lot of elements going on, so I don't know. I like to look at it from a design perspective. And even now, when I look back at Overwatch, I'm like, there's kind of a lot going on here. But I'm just, I'm an old lady now, so it doesn't matter. So what we've determined is that it's not that different from Overwatch. <laughs> I think it's different in that you don't feel morally bad playing the game. Ooh, I didn't think about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's very colorful. Very exciting. A lot going on. Are there any other exciting, colorful third entries coming out? There is. Um, as we all know, Kelly is a big, big fan of Baldur's Gate 3. Um, she's played many hours of the early access, which is like the first four chapters, or not chapters, I'm sorry, levels. Because D&D, the level-based system is very much um, like story progression-based. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Larian Studios has announced, has revealed, has said that Baldur's Gate 3 will leave early access and be fully released in 2023, which is next year. That's, Those who don't know what year they're in. That's so exciting. I am so excited. I love Baldur's Gate 3. I think I'm so excited that it's coming out next year. I think actually quite a few people were saying 2024, which to me is just crazy. I can't even conceptualize that year in my brain. <laughs> but yeah, it's a huge game. And even just what we have right now with early access, there is a lot, a lot to do. And I'm sure a lot, a lot to design. And I've talked about it before, but the way they add new things to the game is incredible. Um, I, When the game first came out in early access, they did not have Druid available as a class. And for those who don't know... Druids are like a magic class in D&D that are very nature focused and you can like talk to animals and stuff and summon animals. It's kind of like a ranger, but a little more magical. Bark, bark, meow. Exactly. Moo. So they added a druid to, to one of the character classes and, and it, a huge part of the first chunk of the game, the part that we play in early access, you're, you have to talk to a bunch of druids. Um, there's a quest involving them. So everything in that quest changes because now the character can, the player can be a druid. Not only that, there's all these animals and you can talk to them all now. So there's like a dog and there's a quest with the dog. And instead of just like interacting with the dog, you can talk to him <laughs> and he can like tell you what's going on. And it's like the level of detail and work that was put into just that alone. And it's still just an early access is crazy. Um, so I was surprised when I heard it was coming out next year. Like I said, I thought it was going to maybe be 2024 because it's very involved. But very excited for this. Is that going to be just PC? I am not 100% sure. I think 
you can only play it on, well, obviously you can only play it on PC right now. Right. I didn't know if they confirmed that maybe it would come to other platforms or if that's something we're waiting to find out. I don't know. I think maybe that is something we're waiting to find out. Also, so as far, you said you had four levels in the base game or mm-hmm. in the game that is currently out. Mm-hmm. How much more is the full release going to be? Do you know? Like, will it be twice as much? Will it be like three times as much? More? Well, with D and D, and I'm assuming they're following like D and D five E rules. Both D and D, once you hit level five, you become sort of like a hero. Mm-hmm. Like you start off and you're kind of just like a, a a local hero, and then you become a big hero, and then uh, like level ten is when you're like a folk hero. Okay. So I'm thinking maybe level 10 will be, but they might change the rules for the game. So it's not so rigid, you know, maybe you can, but there are certain spells that, you know, you learn at like level 10 or level eight or whatever. Um, and then, you know, they would have to redo the spell system so that certain spells that you might learn at like level five get pushed back to like level eight so that they can space it out a little bit more. But then, I don't know. It kind of just depends on how they create the, the how closely they, they want to adhere to D and D's rules, um, which so far they they adhere pretty closely. There's a little bit of wiggle room here and there because not everything is like a one to one translation between tabletop and game, or I should say tabletop and video game. But I would be interested to see what they do. Well, I'm excited. I feel like this is probably the most tangentially excited I've been since we started the show where like the announcement of something made you excited so much that I got excited like I saw this news and I was like oh my god I'm so excited for Kelly (laughs) well I appreciate that I I'm I I really spent a lot of time playing the early access and I can go back and do it again because they added a new class since I've played it Uh and redo it and I the thing that I like the most is I feel like Larian Studios is very open. Um, they're very communicative. Mm-hmm. And it's just nice to be able to hear what the developer is saying and they follow through on these things. Um, it's so such you, a detail So you have a lot of confidence game. in like the final product at this point? I do. My only concern is that maybe it'll be buggy because it's such a huge game. Mm-hmm. And it seems no game can release without being a little bit buggy these days. Of that Um, scale, at least, yeah. Right. And, you know, even with, even though it's early access, there are certain things that, like, are buggy and they don't really get fixed. Um, Maybe they'll get fixed in the final game, but it's like certain animations are happening weird or, um, like, across patches. Because each patch is like a new part to the early access yeah so maybe this character is supposed to be holding a knife out at you but he's like turned all the way backwards and this was an (laughs) issue that started in patch three and now we're on patch five or six or whatever and he's still holding the knife backwards so that would be my main concern is like it's so meaty it's such a big detail-oriented game it might be very difficult to not have it be super buggy on release but i have faith um because I'm, I want to be an optimistic person. So I have faith that regardless of that, um, it'll still be a really worthwhile launch experience. I also am saying this with the caveat that I am have never been put off by bugs in games. Yeah. 
Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit more, but uh, I didn't really have an issue. I mean, Cyberpunk, when it first came out, I played it on a 2016 PlayStation 4. Okay, just, just want to throw <laughs> that out there. Um, it probably crashed every 30 minutes, <laughs> like the first day of launch. Yeah. Um, and I still played it, and I still enjoyed it, and I still had fun. And that's a game that I've played like two times since. Yeah, you endured. Um, yeah, and you know, same with Mass Effect Andromeda. It was very buggy when it first came out, and you know, I honestly didn't really have an issue. I, I, I just, I'm very forgiving of bugs, which is not a common trait among many other games. It's kind which of is commendable. Fine. Well, it's fine. I'm not. I don't want to say this like I'm bragging. If anything, it kind of. I feel like I'm kind of. Uh gullible but <laughs> easy to please i guess i should say you but like what you like that's okay i like what i like to me it's about the story and the characters yeah i don't really care about oh, oh my gun looked kind of funny in that scene you know yeah well maybe we'll talk a little bit more about cyberpunk maybe we will but first let's take a quick break and talk about our sponsor back again this week we have a very exciting word from our co-sponsor this episode is sponsored by Sentry, a new esports organization from Pittsburgh. Their team runs tournaments for Smash and other video games. Find them on Twitch at twitch.tv backslash pgh-sentry. That is twitch.tv backslash pgh-s-e-n-t-r-y. Or go to their website at smacksentry.gg. That is s-m-a-k-s-e-n-t-r-y dot g-g to find more info about attending or viewing their content. Thanks again for coming back this week, guys. We freaking love you. Thank you. Forever. For Oh, wow. That's kind of... <laughs> I don't know Sorry. if that's a big commitment. Do you remember that um, old meme that was like the crazy ex-girlfriend and she had like the really big eyes? And Is that you about like... Sentry? <laughs> Be like, don't you love me forever? And she'd be like holding a knife or whatever. Anyway. <laughs> Kelly at Smack Sentry with a knife. <laughs> don't you love me forever? <sighs> if you do, visit smacksentry.gg. Yes. Or twitch.tv slash PGH Sentry. Look at us. Kelly, did you play any video games this week? Andrew, you're going to laugh. You won't believe what I've been playing this week. I I doubt I'll be able to guess. I could not guess. Just tell me. I'll I am never gonna be able to get there. Okay, okay. Let me tell you. I have two games that I've been playing. This oh, week. okay. I actually didn't know that. I thought it would be one. The first one is a game that I play whenever I spy roll. Um, and it's a little game called The Sims Four. I've talked about it before. Oh. I play it when I need to feel in control of my life. Okay. Anyway, moving on. I also <laughs> have been playing Elden Ring. As we know, Kelly's been really working her way through this game, slowly but surely. Um. I just defeated a big, big boss um, after like five tries, and now I'm stuck on another boss. I'm not really stuck, but I immediately died to that the sec the uh, the, the the next boss. Um, so now I'm you know. <laughs> Sorry, I think Kelly. Uh, we have to leave that in because that's a metaphor for how Kelly is handling the Godskin duo. Wow, yeah. Um, uh, but I'm fine. It's okay not to be fine. When I gave my review, I'm... the Godskin duo was the boss I referenced as the unfair one. Because it's, it's unfair. It's just like not fun. No. 
it's like all the other bosses I'm like, woo! Yeah! I'm but dying. I feel this way about Commander Niall too, or Niall, however you say his name. It's like, why are there two of you? Yes. And there's one of me. And they're not balanced in a way where it's fair. Yes. Like, And it's like, you get one and the other one's like, no, I'm bringing him back. Yes. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. These aren't a part of the rules. The, we never established this. Their attack patterns are not balanced to match each other. So, like, you can perfectly dodge every attack that one throws at you. But, like, as you get out of the dodge animation of the first one, the second boss will hit you. And it's just not yeah, fair. It's, it's so bad. Anyway, I like the area that they're in. Yes. Um, very cool. I like them visually. They're really cool. And I like them both on their own. Yeah. Like, they're both cool bosses. It's also, like, the other frustration is I have fought these two, like, on three other occasions, just separately. Yeah. You know? So it's like, why am I st- why do I have to do this again? It's like, there's one in the windmill village. There's one in a cave. There's one on a bridge. And I'm like, I'm sure you've probably fight them another. T- and there's one in at Volcano Manor. So it's like four, four different times I've fought these same bosses. It's like, I usually have no issue with reusing bosses. Um, this is something that FromSoft is like, does a lot. And in and, and Elden Ring, they've done it a lot, a lot because they have all these different like dungeons and catacombs and stuff. Really, it's not an issue for me, except for if I have to fight them four times. Like at what at what point are you like what? What am I doing here? Like what's what's the deal? What's the lore reason that there's like twenty of these guys just walking around in the lands between? I'm just asking. Yeah, it's also anyway. it's already a little frustrating how regular that you see them, but now the fact that you see them this regularly. And now there's like an unfair circumstance where you have to fight them. It just changes things a lot. It's like I am not willing to endure how frustrating this repeating boss is if it means it's also going to be unfair. Right. That right. I feel like that was the only boss that really made me upset, which is ironic. The final boss took me a lot longer hour-wise, but it felt a lot fairer. It just felt like I was having a hard time. This was not fair. I won because I was lucky, not because I learned the pattern so well and was so smart. Yeah. I'm going to get my cheese grater out. Cheese it. I'm going to find my cheesemonger, and these bosses are getting cheesed. Do it. Dude. I don't care anymore. I'm at my, I'm at my, I'm at the, the cusp of insanity. You're breaking. Anyway, what have you been playing this week, Andrew? Oh, I've been playing lots of games. I actually have oh. two full reviews this week. I finished two games this week. As a side note, so I track all games I play. I have a little chart on my computer that says title of the game, date that I finished it, what rating I would give it out of 10, and how many hours I spent on it. And every time I finish a game, I, I log it um, because it's just satisfying to me. And I like I like feeling like I'm finishing a list or something when I play games. So I have finished now with the two games I'm about to review, 16 games in 2022. For reference, I finished 22 in all of 2021. So in April, I am already approaching how many games I finished last year. All I'm saying is our 2022 game of the year episode is going to be a doozy. 
I play too many games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have gotten back into Horizon Forbidden West. I will give a full review when I finish it in the near future. But just to let you guys know, because last time I talked about this game, it was not very friendly. Uh, <laughs> don't, do not play this game after Elden Ring. Because it is, it feels very bad off the back of Elden Ring. So that's why I had set it aside for so long. But now I've returned to it with Elden Ring a little bit out of my brain. Like, not completely, but a little bit. And it feels way better again. It feels a lot closer to the positive experience I was happening having pre-Elden Ring. Um, I'm going to finish it. Part of me was considering just giving it one more try and then shelving it. But I'm going to finish it. I, I got back into enjoying it, even if I'm not the biggest fan of the open world elements. So tune in probably in the next week or two, and I'll have a finished review. Ooh. But there are two games that I finished this week that I want to give reviews for. Is that okay? No. Everybody, thanks for listening to... Just kidding. Tell me how you feel. Tell me your thoughts. Oh, okay. Sorry, well, I wasn't ready for the change of pace there. <laughs> I played a game called Ghostwire Tokyo, Bethesda and Tango Gameworks' new PlayStation 5 and PC exclusive. Uh, this game was getting not the best reviews when it came out. It came out same day as Kirby, so I had much higher priorities, that being Kirby. Uh, but thank I, you, Jigglypuff. Thank you, Jigglypuff, for giving me Ghostwire. Uh, <laughs> I waited till this game came to my local library because I didn't think I'd like it and I didn't want to pay $60. But I did want to play it, so I understood because I was curious. And all the trailers looked really good, so I was curious why it wasn't good, according to many reviewers. Right off the bat, visuals and the style of this game are absolutely incredible. It is beautiful to look at. There is such amazing graphical quality and the designs of everything. It's just fantastic. The world is very detailed. It feels like actual Tokyo. It is very accurate from what I've heard, which is really impressive. And it's also very fun to explore because of how well realized it is. The animations in this game. Oh, the animations are incredible on the enemies and specifically... We talked about this when we saw the first reveal. The first person hand animations are the best I've ever seen in a video game. They are oh. so cool. Like, I don't ever want to shoot a gun in a video game again. I just want my fingers to shoot little <laughs> pew pew things out of them. Pew, 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 pew. It feels like the evolution of, of Bioshock's plasmids, which is what you said probably a couple months ago now when you saw them. This feels like yes. a really good evolution of those. All the power-ups are really cool looking. You have a wind one that's kind of like a regular uh, machine gun, for lack of a better term. And then a fire one that's similar to a shotgun. And then a water one that is, I don't even know what to call it, kind of just like a pistol, I guess. All of them have some kind of equivalent, but they feel very unique. They look incredible. Um and I think like this this is something a lot of developers should take note of because first person games are like by default they use guns almost always because it's just that's what makes sense. And this is an example of taking those mechanics and doing something different with it. So even though it is functionally identical to taking a gun in a game and shooting it at an enemy, it just feels better. Especially with these visuals, it just feels better. 
The music was really good in this game. It adds a lot to the already really dour atmosphere. Um, the dour atmosphere is not a bad thing. It's quite fascinating to see, and it never feels like overwhelmingly dour. It's not like Last of Us 2 kind of dour. It's more so just like icky and gross and like everybody's dead. So, you know, it's not happy. Uh, but that's all the, the raving praise out of the way. Most of the rest of the stuff is net less raving, but still good. The story is not fantastic, uh, but the acting in the Japanese dub specifically is very, very good. The two main characters, that being Akito and KK, are very good, and they have great, uh, great chemistry with each other. Uh, and even though I wasn't super invested in the events of the plot, their performances and their characters kept me going the entire story, and they that's what got me to finish the game. The combat is fun, kind of like what I talked about earlier. Uh, encounters tend to kind of go the same way every time, and stealth is it is an option, but it's not super viable. I found that it was so slow, and usually I would get spotted after like one or two stealth kills. So it got to a point where I was like, why would I stealth? You know, it doesn't actually benefit me much. Right. Uh, but if you play the game straight through with mostly just the campaign, it's not going to get old. It's only if you do a bunch of side content that it's probably going to get old. I will say this might be one of the best uses of the dual sense. I don't want to say the best because that goes to Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. But this is probably in second place is the best use of the dual sense that I've experienced. Uh, specifically, when you stealth kill enemies or like suck out their souls with this big string the game's kind of wonky it uh shakes the triggers in such a intense way the feedback is just really fantastic uh i highly recommend if you have a pc or a playstation 5 and you're gonna play this game i'd get it on playstation 5 solely for the dual sense uh the main content is pretty meaningful it's well designed um some of the side content is also meaningful but there's also a lot of it that's kind of meandering and it amounts to busy work uh if you are interested in this and you're a little worried that if open world stuff doesn't always grab you i would kind of go into this seeing it as a linear product because if you are playing the side content it triples the length of the game at least and it's not the most fun stuff, so it's not really it doesn't really earn that playtime. I played the entire story and then about half of the main side quests, and that took me 12 hours, and I was very happy. I was like, all right, that's perfect. I don't want to play more. I'd love to play a sequel someday, but I don't want to play more today. Uh, this game was very good, and it was also very weird. And it was very good because it was very weird. Because I feel like so many games these days, even if they're good and I love them, they're not different in a lot of ways, you know? This game had a lot about it that was very weird and different, and I really liked that. And it's just not something you get to experience very often. I do, however, do recommend, if you want to buy this game, not paying $60. That's a little steep, and there's also a decent chance you won't like it, because a lot of people aren't fans of this game. Perhaps I am an outlier, and I love it, but you won't, okay? So maybe look to rent this game, or like I said, borrow it from your library, or just wait for it to drop. I think this game will probably be $20 really fast. 
because Bethesda drops their prices pretty quick usually. Another game I finished this week that I really wasn't expecting to finish, it just sort of like, after I finished Ghostwire, I was in a mood for first-person games, and I also wanted to clean out my backlog. So I finally finished Cyberpunk 2077. Callback. Thanks, Kelly. Callback. You set me up like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> That's true. I did. Uh, visuals are fantastic. I'm playing the PS5 version. Um, I'm not going to speak at all for the other versions of this game because uh, PC is obviously going to be better on a high power PC and PlayStation 4 is obviously going to be worse because I don't need to tell you. You listen to this podcast. You know what's up. <laughs> but I'm playing it on PS5. The visuals are fantastic. The performance was super, super stable, which impressed me a lot. Um, they clearly put a lot of work into making sure they were utilizing the PS5 to its fullest. Uh, the story was really entertaining. I did end up feeling, it did end up feeling a tad disjointed to me. I think that's just a consequence of open world game design though, because I would play a story mission and then spend a very large amount of time focusing on side content and I would kind of lose focus and I would not forget what the main story was, but by the time I got back in, some of my emotional investment kind of waned a little. Uh, but the one thing that I think sets this game apart is how impressive the side content is. In most games, like Ghostwire and others, the side content is sort of a, a cheaper feeling, like lesser version of what the main game offers. That is not the case in Cyberpunk. A large majority of the side content, at least the quote-unquote side gigs, are basically just as detailed and just as well realized as the main quests um that's something really rare and i think it's interesting because i have a habit of ignoring side content in games like this because it's like often lesser and i'd like to experience the core of the game and move on but uh my co-host yelled at me because <laughs> i was like 70 percent of the way through the campaign and you were like how much did you play and i was like i don't know like eight hours and you're like wait what no no, you're playing wrong. <laughs> uh, so I did end up going back and I played a lot. Not all. There's a lot of side content in this game. But I played a lot of the side content, specifically like the quest lines that I was most interested in. Like the Judy one. And the stuff about Johnny Silverhand's band. Yeah. Uh, among others. Uh, there was a point where I kind of near the end, I was like, you know what? I really want to know how this plot ends. So I did sort of just beeline it at the very end. So there are definitely some plot lines I didn't fully experience, but that's how these games are played. Everybody kind of gets a different experience because it's unrealistic for everybody to play everything the game has. I think the combat of the game is pretty simple. Uh, in most cases, I was able to just blister through most encounters with much not much strategy. Um, I just kind of get out my, my shotgun or my special pistol I got at the end of the game that I liked a lot. And I would just go through and not really take much damage. And there were a couple boss encounters late in the game that required me to slow down a bit, but it was less strategy and more just patience. So the combat is not the thing that should make you want this game. If you're interested in it for the story, yeah, you should look into it. If you're interested in it for the combat, probably look elsewhere. I think the character writing is probably where this game shines the most. It's really fantastic. All of the characters feel very organic and they feel genuinely like 
human beings with lots of story behind each one of them. Uh, the the side quest threads that are dedicated to specific characters really allow you to grow to love these characters. Like I was talking about with Judy specifically, um, I really was invested by the end in what, like in her background and stuff. And all of the characters that get their own plot lines are the same way. Uh, another reason that the characters are so easy to get invested in because the voice acting is fantastic. I think V is fantastic. Fantastic. I can't stop saying that word, but it's true. I played as fantastic. I played as the feminine voiced V. Um, I cannot speak for the masculine, but you can, right, Kelly? Is that just as good? Uh I never played through with him. Really? Mm I always play female. Well but I do think she is better. Because I've heard the cutscenes and I've heard other and I've seen other people play and I, I I don't necessarily think that he's not good. I think he does a great job. She's just real um, good. <laughs> but she's yeah, she's just like on another level. Um truly. I think a lot I was shocked when she didn't receive any sort of recognition for that, but Eh, there's so much I think because of how much negativity was around that game, it was hard for the things that did deserve credit to get it, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I feel a little bad saying this. Um, then don't say it. Well, you can see my notes. You know what I'm going to say, right? <laughs> yeah, no. I, I want you to speak your truth. I never did end up enjoying Keanu's performance very much. Uh, I loved the writing of Johnny Silverhand. I liked the character a lot. So don't, you know, those two things are not the exact same. But I wasn't a huge fan of his voice. I think he was a little uh, a little monotone. And also, I think I said this in my initial impressions. When you put him next to some of the voice actors in this game, he feels a little underwhelming because the voice acting in this game is so good. Uh, yes. That he can seem a little bit B-tier in comparison to these S-tier people, which is ironic because he's like probably by far the most expensive person they've hired. Yes. I think it's interesting. And I love Keanu a lot as a person. Oh, me too. I, I think, think Keanu's really fantastic guy. as a person. And I and I like seeing him in things. I don't think he is the best actor in the whole world. <laughs> and I think that that translates very directly into this game. But another part of me thinks that there are certain moments where he did have a chance to shine a little bit I don't know how much there is like a hidden approval system with with V and Johnny throughout the game. Um, and at certain points, he can express like actual real the, the gist of his character is he's very he's like a very careless, very thoughtless yeah. uh, rocker boy, rocker um, boy, rocker boy. <laughs> but through this relationship with your character, he can grow any which way. Um and if you have a certain relationship with him, if you have a very positive relationship with him, he can show very real concern for V. And I do think there are moments that really shine through. Um, there's a moment where you and him go and visit. Uh, I don't know. I guess this is a spoiler. I probably shouldn't mm, say. It's mild spoiler. It's skip, a mild spoiler. Skip forward 15 seconds if you don't want this. There's a place where you visit an oil field and it's supposed to be his grave. Mm -hmm. And they kind of have this like moment of connection where to get the best approval with him, you can be like, hey man, you have to stop doing this. Like you have to stop acting like this and being like this. 
and he like he kind of absorbs it and I felt that the acting in that scene from both um you know female feminine V's I I think her name's Sharami Lee yeah um and Keanu's performance were really really good um I think it can be hard though if you don't pick the right choices and do the right things um to me I agree it can come across as very monotone and very much like I don't know, like tonally it was kind of hard to get a grasp on sometimes. Yeah, I do um, agree with you that the side quests that focus on like their relationship is when he shines the best for sure. Yeah, and like, yeah, and I don't want to get too into it because there are, he has other side quests too where you have to, it, it helps unpack his relationship with other characters in the game and I just didn't think it, they were as good. It's something about the main character I don't know. Maybe she just elevates the. Maybe the voice actress just elevates everyone else around her. I think so. Yeah. It is just better, and he does better. And um, but yeah, I would agree with you there. And I'm only I, you know, I don't mean to jump in on your review. No, but please do. I, uh, You've played the game. You have lots of thoughts. <laughs> played the game like three times. Exactly. So. Your opinion but, is super relevant. Thank you. But um, that was just my thoughts on it as well. Is I think if they had gotten a different voice actor and they really like leaned into a different version of Johnny, it would have been like a totally different game. So I was thinking about it because I'm like, oh, I, I kind of want to see what this game could have been with a different voice actor. And then I was like, well, visually, Johnny Silverhand is like that look. I couldn't right. imagine Johnny looking different. So there's one person that popped in my head looks similar enough that it wouldn't be a drastic overhaul and whose voice I'd really like to hear. And I, I want to, I would love to live temporarily in an alternate universe where Johnny Silverhand was played by Matt Mercer. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. I agree. Like visually I not that Matt different. Mercer. And also I think Matt Mercer is like maybe the most talented voice actor p- period. I love Matt I love Matt Mercer. I have listened to hours and hours and hours of Matt Mercer talking. So would you like Not to just see in this? video games. I think he would be a great Johnny Silverhand. Do you think we could call him and say like, hey, do you want to do a free mod for Cyberpunk where you re-record every single line of dialogue? <laughs> yeah, he's probably not busy. <laughs> and it's not like that sure, would take like have four going. months of work. <laughs> That would be pretty cool. Yeah. And that's just like, you know, that's just dreaming. And that's not related to my opinions of the game. It's just a thought that popped into my head because I looked at the long hair and I was like, what voice actors do I like? And then those two things together, I was like, oh, my God, I want to see Matt Mercer's silver hand. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, But to put a cherry on top of this review real quick, uh, I did experience uh, a surprising number of bugs specifically in the latter part of the game. I don't know if this is just coincidence or if maybe the latter half is less polished or maybe it's like one of those things where it's like a data problem because I played the game in a way where like the game got confused. But I started experiencing a lot more bugs in like my last like six to eight hours, Um, which stunk because in a lot of those senses, I don't mind mild visual bugs, but they got really distracting. Um, One example... At the end of a romance subquest, there was a very quiet, sentimental moment 
where I was supposed to be sitting down next to this character in like a peaceful environment. And right before it started, a sandstorm started, which like, okay, that's just like the weather system working. It's not a glitch, but I couldn't skip time because it was like, no, you got to go talk to that character. And I was like, okay, I guess I will. And then all of a sudden, the draw distance just went to like nothing. Like I could not see 10 feet in front of me. I could hardly (laughs) see the character I was talking to. And all of the textures on her clothing started to like bug out. So like her clothes were like going in and out of her neck constantly. And they were like (laughs) flashing. And I was like, this is supposed, this is such a quiet moment. The writing is like quiet. And all I'm hearing is like, (laughs) and like, her Judy's neck is just morphing constantly. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm supposed to want to cry right now, but instead, all I can hear is <laughs> you know? It sounded it was awful. And it was and I was like, dang it, this is just this scene ruined. I won't remember like I obviously there was a lot more to the quest, but like the ending was just it was ruined, ruined. which sucks. Um, And then one bug that started half, like, again, probably like 70% of the way through my game was that gun sound effects just stopped happening in every cutscene. So there were several cutscenes where, like, a character gets shot in, like, a shocking manner. And there's just silent. And there was a lot of other (laughs) sides. So, like, there's... Oh, so awkward. I'll avoid names, so it's not a spoiler, but there's a character that, like, wants retribution... And they finally get this chance to shoot the person that they want revenge upon. And I'm like, oh, my God, are they going to do it? And then it happened. But, like, there was no sound effect. So my brain's like, wait, what? And that was the first time it had happened in a cutscene. And I was just like, what? It did, did it? Ha-? I legitimately did not know if it happened. I had to walk closer and see the bullet wound on the face of this person. I was like, oh, I guess it did happen. Jeez. So, and that's the thing is like the first half of the game had quite a few visual glitches and I was able to forgive them. It was just in that latter half. I started to get things that distracted from what the creators intended. Unforgivable. I mean, to some extent, I mean, I'm not angry, yeah. but like it spoiled the end of one quest line. Actually, both of those were the end of the quest lines. So in a sense, it spoiled two quest lines and that's yeah. things. <laughs> Uh, well, and I think the frustration that you might be feeling is that, like you were saying earlier, is so much of this side content and the story content and character content is really well done. So it's so frustrating to see it being like held back and like marred by these stupid bugs and glitches that just are so persistent. Yeah. So I feel you. I had one um, on my first playthrough, which was on the... It started on the PS4, moved to the PS5, but um, I had one. It was just like the characters' voices would just like stop. (laughs) Like they would be talking in cutscenes, and they'd be and the the subtitles would come up, the captions would come up, but their voices would not talk. And sometimes it would make it so that you couldn't trigger the next line of dialogue that your character was supposed to say. So it would just be these two characters like standing and like staring at each other (laughs) awkwardly. And then sometimes like. Cyberpunk sometimes if you don't pick a dialogue option fast enough the other character will be like come on oh yeah like what are you trying to say and it's like dialogue is like the worst choice yes and I'm like I I, I'm trying I don't have anything to say I don't know what I can do so I would have to like save and reload and it was just it was so frustrating and it's like one of it's like you're saying it's like these stupid bugs really take you out of the moment 
and there was another bug that I experienced with a romance that I did with a different character, not with Judy. And it was, um, it was like post the, uh, boning penultimate romance scene, the boning, um, right after. Yeah. After the boning. And there was just like, it was just very, very strange (laughs) for some reason, your character wakes up with no pants. I mean, it's not that strange well, in after, the after context of the scene. But your character's like not wearing any pants, yeah. right? And there's like, there's nothing going on down there. You are just exposed to the world. And you go in the kitchen and you have a cup of coffee, whatever. And you're standing there and you're like fully, well, this was the, this was the glitch that I had. I think you're supposed to be wearing a shirt. And it's supposed to be like a, you know, like, oh, you know, I'm wearing this shirt, blah, 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 whatever. My character was not wearing anything, just fully, just birthday suit. And the character, and the romance, the character, River's sister walks into the room and she's like talking to us. <laughs> well, you're and I'm just like, my naked. immersion is, com- yeah, I'm like, my immersion is completely broken. There's this woman standing in your trailer, completely naked. There are children outside. They can see through the windows. It's like, it just really ruined the moment for me. And it was like fun because I was like, oh my God, I just did the romance. I was all like excited and like, you know, because. That's sad that both of our romance options just got completely brought down by a glitch (laughs) immediately after. I know. I will say yours sounds a lot worse though, because realistically, and this is just from what I've seen, I think the romance option that you chose is a lot more emotionally fulfilling than the romance option I chose especially in terms of the endings um, and content. Yeah, I also uh, skipped time after that happened to see what that setting looked like in the morning. Like I skipped forward 24 hours in game and it was mm-hmm. beautiful. And I was like, this was supposed to be like this gorgeous sight. I know, what a bummer. Um, But to wrap this up, I think this game is great. It is way better now than it was on launch. It is not perfect, so don't go into it expecting them to have fixed everything, as clearly discussed by the last like ten minutes of this of this <laughs> talk. Um, don't let the bugs scare you away, though, especially for the price. Don't pay more than ten bucks for this game because it goes on sale for dirt cheap every week. Um, only play it though if you have current gen or PC. I wouldn't suggest playing it on last gen unless you're willing to take those compromises. It's definitely a lot more stable, but you're gonna get a lot more visually wonderful experience if you play it on PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series X or PC. Uh, Yes. But I didn't expect to like it this much. And I think similar to Ghostwire, it's almost like I like it more because of how weird it was. Sometimes. It depends which part. Like the cutscenes being ruined by bugs is annoying. But like goofy little glitches happening while I'm enjoying a story mission, that's fine. Yeah. So, I played a lot though. I need to, I need to stop playing video games or something. <laughs> okay. I'm not gonna though, cause I like this. That show. was the last episode of Talking Games with Kelly. And no. <laughs> oh, just kidding. Hey Kelly. Yes. This is episode forty-five. You okay? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I had like an eyelash in my eye. Are you crying? It's episode yeah. 45, Kelly. That's not I'm that I'm just big a so deal. excited that we have hit 45 episodes. That means in five episodes, 
we will hit 50 and one year of doing this. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, listeners. I'll get a lot more sentimental next or in, in that one year anniversary episode. Like there's probably going to be like 15 minutes where I'm just like quietly sobbing and saying thank you to the audience. <laughs> I'm very excited for our 50th episode. I have a big surprise plan. <gasps> Are you going to tell me or is it a surprise for everybody? It's a surprise for everybody. What? <laughs> is it Jeff? I... <laughs> um, No. <gasps> Hi, Jeff. Uh, yeah, we can't do it anymore. We can't do 50. I'll call you back at 100. Okay. <laughs> 100. <laughs> I also like that you pulled your phone out. That's just for I me. I know. It was a visual gag for our audio-only podcast, <laughs> as I usually do. It's really funny. It's only funnier when like it takes a moment to get it set up, meaning that there's just <laughs> quiet for a second. Yeah, you know me. I love dead air. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Talking Games. We'll see you next week. Bye.